Pray with me. Father, we confess that every breath of our lungs, every beat of our heart is a tangible, real-time reminder of our dependence on you. Every time our heart beats, every time our lungs breathe in, it's a reminder that you are sustaining every part of who we are. And we are no less in need of your, the renewal of our spirits. And so, help us this morning to receive from your word. Give us eyes to see and minds to understand and hearts that would receive what you have for us through your Holy Spirit through your word, would you help me to be faithful in proclaiming it and teaching it this morning? We thank you that you meet us exactly where we are in our place of need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. We are a people who have a great need for Christ, and we have a great Christ for our need. If you'd like to follow along, You can grab your Bibles, and if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Someone from our strike team can put one in your hands. Much of the scripture will be on the screen as well this morning, but we'd love for you to have it, to look on the words on the page for yourself. If you don't have a Bible of your own, please take this one home with you. We're working through a a preaching series on Sunday mornings, uh, looking at different aspects of what we believe and how we practice those beliefs as a church here at River City. We've talked a little about the Bible, the mission to discipleship that we're called to as followers of Jesus, and the gospel of Christ as our central hope, as our central message. Last week, we approached God as He has revealed Himself as one God, eternally existing in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, looking at the Trinity. And this week, we're going to look at the doctrine of regeneration, It's a big word, basically looking at what it means to be born again. So when Jesus in the Gospel of John says, you must be born again, we'll peek into that. The big idea is this. Regeneration, or the new birth, is a work of the Spirit of God, bringing the spiritually dead to new and eternal life. Let me say that again. Regeneration, or being born again, is a work of the Spirit of God, bringing the spiritually dead to to new and eternal life. We have two um, kind of position statements, two items in our foundational documents that speak to this idea of regeneration, speak to this idea of the new birth, how someone comes to salvation. Uh, One is the second of five distinctives um, of Acts 29, the church planning network of which we are wholeheartedly a member. And the second is our own statement in our statement of faith as a church on regeneration itself. So we're going to look at both of those just as a helpful framework for where we stand. And and we're not going to unpack them entirely. If you have questions about those, you want to dig into them, I can point you to those. We'll put those in our resources that will go out tomorrow. Like You can go read those statements and all the scriptures that come underneath to form those statements um, as to how they're uh, put together. So the first one that I just wanted to highlight is from uh, one of the distinctives of Acts 29. Uh, we embrace the sovereignty of God in saving sinners. Four short paragraphs. We affirm that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, not on the basis of foreseen faith, but unconditionally, according to his sovereign goodwill, pleasure, and will. 
We believe that through the work of the Holy Spirit, God will draw the elect of faith in His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, graciously and effectually overcoming their stubborn resistance to the gospel so that they will most assuredly and willingly believe. Continues, we also believe that these, the elect of God, whom He gave to the Son, will persevere in belief and godly behavior and be kept secure in their salvation by grace through faith. And we believe that God's sovereignty in, in this salvation neither diminishes the responsibility of people to believe in Christ nor marginalizes the necessity and power of prayer and evangelism, but rather reinforces and establishes them, prayer and evangelism, as the ordained means by which God accomplishes his ordained ends. I know there's a lot there. Take that home with you. The other is our, our specific statement on regeneration. It's found in our statement of faith. It says this, We believe that all people are sinners by nature and by choice and are therefore under condemnation and spiritually dead. We believe that the Holy Spirit awakens to new life and regenerates the sinner, causing repentance from sin and saving faith in Christ. And again, there are... Uh, We'll put those resources in your hands if you want to look at those and wrestle with those and follow the scripture references that help us build out those statements. So to better understand regeneration and what it means to be born again, we're not just going to look at statements we've put together from pulling from all of scripture. We're going to look at what Jesus says in John chapter 3. So you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. If you have one of the Bibles that we handed out, it's on page 577. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 to begin. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. This is the word of the Lord in the Gospel of John. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at what I said, that what I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is the Word of God for us this morning. Now, I have a series of questions that I'm working through to unpack this text and what it means to be born again. And so together this morning, we'll use those questions to work through this passage And we'll also look to some other scriptures to help us understand this this doctrine, this idea of regeneration, this idea of being born again and what it means for us. So here's my questions that I'm asking as I'm unpacking this. What is it? (laughs) What is this new birth? What does it mean to be born again? Where does it come from? Why is this important? And how do we respond? What is it? Where does it come from? Why is this important? And how... Do we respond? So let's start with the, with the first one. What is regeneration? What does it mean when Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again? Look at John chapter 3 again. Look at the text. Jesus is talking 
to a man named Nicodemus who comes to him. He hears the reports of Jesus. He, he hears and sees the things that Jesus is saying and doing. And out of maybe curiosity or confusion or interest, he comes to Jesus at night. And that's an interesting detail in the text. Why would you come to someone at night, under cover of darkness? Now, it's likely that Nicodemus, as a man of prestige, as a man in part of the religious establishment, can't be seen validating this kind of wild, bold preacher guy who's doing crazy things. He can't validate him publicly, so he comes to Jesus at night where it's safe. Can't have all the other Pharisees seeing him, you know, being nice to Jesus. So he comes after hours. But another thing about John's gospel, which is interesting, is that he often, all throughout his gospel, equates darkness with lostness. And so part of this is possibly highlighting that Nicodemus came at night, not just because it was a safe way to, to, to talk to Jesus without being found out or being called to the carpet, but also because this is a man, Nicodemus, who is very religious, but who is also very lost to the message of the new birth and the coming kingdom that Jesus is preaching. Nicodemus is very likely in spiritual darkness. Either way, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, because of your reputation, because of your words and your actions, clearly God is with you. And Jesus takes the opportunity in verse 3 to teach. <laughs> And he turns to Nicodemus and says, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this leaves Nicodemus confused. He says, well, what do you mean born again? Can someone, he, he gets real explicit here, can someone crawl back into their mother's womb and be born a second time? That's weird. And we would all go, yeah, that's weird. You have permission to think that's weird because it is. And Jesus is like, no, no, you misunderstand. <laughs> there's a birth that comes by water. Natural, human, physical birth. And there's a birth that comes by the Spirit. Nicodemus is not understanding what he means. He's hearing a grown man kind of getting a do-over. <laughs> Crawling back in, starting again. And I think sometimes we think of being born again in a similar way. And our culture does for sure. Our culture is big on second chances. And we're okay with second chances. We recognize we're all flawed. We all need like second, third, fourth, fiftieth chances. Right? I read three different articles this week from the kind of the business and marketing world that spoke to a brand or a company that was spiraling towards death or their stock price had plummeted or just they had just failed. They were once well-known and making tons of cash, and they just as a company were, were failing. But then they, they regrouped. They rebranded. They changed around their product line. They fired their board of directors and got some new, hip, sweet CEO from some other company. And the headline? That that company had been born again. But being born again is not just a fresh start. It's not just a radical change in one's life. It's not a shift in party affiliation or political position. Being born again is not a season of emotional healing or restoration. Being born again is not merely a do-over. 
Do all those things I just referenced happen as a result of the Spirit working in the lives and hearts of people? Yes. Do we celebrate those things? Healing and restoration and a shift in one's priorities and changes in one's life and starting again? Yes, we celebrate all of those things. But that's not what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about being born again. When, when Jesus says, you must be born again, He's talking about a total transformation of your spiritual reality. You were once dead in your sin, hostile to God, and blind to the glory of God in Christ Jesus. And what you need is for the Spirit of God to breathe life into your dead corpse and to raise you to new spiritual life, opening your blind eyes to see so that you can actually see the beauty of Jesus in the offer of the gospel, so that your heart, once hard, is now soft and responsive, so that you will repent of your sin because you see it for what it is and you see the grace of God as your only hope and you believe. And then Jesus says to Nicodemus in verse 7, Do not marvel at what I am telling you. The wind blows where it wishes. You can't see the wind. You can see the effects of the wind. We all saw the effects of the wind this week. Blowing snow, the dreaded S word, all over the place. But you can't actually see the wind. You can see its effects. So it is, Jesus says, with everyone who is born of the Spirit. See, regeneration is a work of the Spirit bringing the dead to life. This is illustrated really clearly in the gospel account of a man named Lazarus, who was dead. And in fact, when Jesus arrives on the scene, Lazarus has been dead for three days. But death is not offensive to Jesus. He weeps over the loss of his friend and the grief that's being shared by Lazarus' family. And while Lazarus was dead in the grave, Jesus looks to the tomb and says, Lazarus, get up. And he gets up. He literally sits up and is now alive. So it is with everyone who is born again by the Spirit of God. Your faith in Jesus is no less miraculous than the raising of the dead from the grave. So if you believe in Jesus this morning, it's because the Spirit of God, in His mercy, has raised you to new life from death. That's what it means to be born again. Which leads me to our next question, then where does this come from? The phrase translated born again in John 3 could also be translated, and maybe a little easier to understand, born from above. Jesus is highlighting with a, with a spotlight that this new birth, what we call regeneration, is a work of God. This is not a work of human will. And we see this all over John's writing and all through the New Testament that the new birth is a work of God. Here's just a few places. John 1, 12 through 13. To all who re did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, past tense, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29, all those who practice righteousness have been, past tense, born of God. 1 John 5, 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. 
Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, one of my favorites. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration, here's that word, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. James 1, verse 18, of his own will, speaking of the Lord, he brought us forth by the word of truth. 1 Peter 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy. Here's how Peter says it. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Regeneration, new birth, does not and cannot originate in the person. It must originate somewhere else. And if you were to come to me and say that you were instrumental in the cause of your own birth, physical birth, biological birth, that you planned your conception and arranged your DNA and, 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 and chose the time and place and method of your birth, I would immediately call your bluff. That's not how that works. Biology 101 and five children tells me that's not how that works. And that's not boasting. Like, look at me. I got some kids. But I think I can say with some level of confidence, I know how that sort of functions. Right? So if you were to tell me, oh, I I did that. I made myself physically born. I'd be like, okay, sure you did. And John... Jesus in John 3 is telling us, just as you were the passive participant in your own physical birth, you are the passive participant in your spiritual birth, in the regeneration of your dead heart. You can't make yourself physically born, and you can't make yourself born again. Look at verse 9 of John 3. We didn't read it earlier, but just just look at verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Some of you might be asking this morning as you're wrestling, how can this be? There there might be a a stirring of some things in your own heart as you wrestle through what I'm saying. And I'm fully aware, we are fully aware that, that we're wading into some theological water here that might ruffle some feathers. So as an aside, let me give you this small caveat here. While we are unapologetic in our convictions about how God works salvation from election all the way to glorification, we also know that there are things with which we are supposed to wrestle as we sit under the Word of God. And it is possible to be a faithful follower of Jesus, a brother or sister in Christ, and hold to a different approach or understanding of how this all works. You don't need to hold to this order of salvation a more reformed, if you will, understanding to be a Christian or worship even here at River City. There's room to wrestle, and yet we want to be clear in our convictions because we feel that there is some clarity here in the Scriptures and there's a richness here in God's Word. And so here's where we stand, humbly but confidently. That being said, let's continue. Nicodemus is asking, how can this be? And to Nicodemus, Jesus responds with a question. Notice how he never really answers any of Nicodemus' questions. He just throws questions back at him like, oh, you had a question. Let me ask you a question. 
And here he says, are you not the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Jesus isn't trying to fool Nicodemus with some new way of thinking. He's not being sarcastic. Well, at least not sinfully sarcastic. This may be an instance where we see righteous sarcasm in the Bible. You and I, we probably don't have righteous sarcasm, but I think if anyone does, it's Jesus. And he's looking at Nicodemus as a teacher of the law, and he says, you, you don't see this? You're, you're a teacher of the law, and, and you don't see this? But he's not introducing something new. This, this shouldn't be a hard thing for him. And I think Jesus, at least in part, might be talking about the prophet Ezekiel. You don't have to turn there. But in Ezekiel 36, the Lord is giving a promise. He's literally speaking, Thus saith the Lord, through the prophet Ezekiel, to the people of Israel. And he says this in verse, verses 25 and 26 of Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. From all your idols, I will cleanse you. This is the Lord saying this, right? And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. God was essentially establishing the promise of a new birth. I will take your heart of stone, a thing that is not living, that does not beat, spiritually speaking. I will remove that. I will do surgery on your dead rock heart, and I will pull it out and I will replace it with one of flesh, one that is soft, that is malleable, that is responsive, that beats. I will give you the new life that you don't have. And Nicodemus, as someone who would be a student and teacher of the law, of all people, should understand this. And yet he's still in the dark. And here's the danger without a new heart, as close as we might think we are to the kingdom of God, without a new heart, without being born again by the Spirit of God, we cannot see the kingdom. Jesus himself, the nice guy who hugs babies and holds lambs, Jesus himself is the one who says that. That without a new heart, you will find yourself on the outside of the kingdom of God. And that if you physically die while spiritually dead, you will find yourself on the outside of this glorious kingdom forever. And, and that's one of the reasons why this is important. So asking why this is important, well, primarily it's because eternity is at stake. Jesus himself says it. Verse 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 7, you must, almost pleading with Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, according to Jesus himself, you must be born again. You cannot work your way into the kingdom. You cannot learn your way into the kingdom. You can't vote your way or recycle your way or love your neighbor your way or turn over enough leaves to enter into the kingdom of God. You and I can't work or will our dead hearts to life. We don't get to say, look what I did. Look how good I am. I figured it out. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that 
no one may boast. We don't make our dead hearts alive, but when the Spirit moves to awaken our dead hearts, we respond. And that's our last question, is how then do we respond? Well, the first is this. Repent and believe. (laughs) The promise of salvation found in Romans chapter 10 is, is glorious. Paul says, if we confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a glorious equation. I can get my head around that. If I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised Christ from the dead, that that applies to me, therein is my salvation. And a dead mouth doesn't speak, and a dead heart doesn't believe. Only a mouth and a heart of a person who's been brought to life can confess and believe. So if you came to me this morning even and said, Jake, I'm, I'm broken. I'm messed up. I see my sin. It is, I don't know what to do with it, but I want to follow Jesus. I want to be different. How can I be born again? My response would, if that's truly your, the true condition of your heart, my response would be, you likely already are. So let's go to the God who receives us when we repent and believe that what you're asking for applies to you. Because someone spiritually dead doesn't care about their sin. They don't recognize they even need to be saved. But only a heart made new by the Spirit sees the offer of grace in Jesus as beautiful. Regeneration, new birth, is the catalyst for faith. Pastor Sam Storm says it this way, The new birth, then, is not a moral makeover of the old, but a supernatural creation of something altogether new. Nicodemus didn't so much need a new religion as he needed a new life. And the same is true of you and me. Let me read that again. The new birth is not a moral makeover of the old, but a supernatural creation of something altogether new. Nicodemus didn't so much need a new religion as he needed a new life. And the same is true of you and me. So the first response to the offer of grace and the necessity of needing dead hearts made alive is repent and believe. And the next response is awe. I mean, Ephesians 2 is true. Let me just remind you of what that says. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That's amazing. Even when we were dead, he made us alive. By grace you have been saved, Paul continues, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace to us in Christ Jesus. We don't move on from this gospel reality. It's the foundation and fuel for our whole lives. It's true that we were dead and lost, and not seeking him. And he met us there, and he rescues us. The fact that I am saved at all floors me, and it should floor you too. Yes, you should be floored that God could save me, but you should also be floored that God could save you. 
I pray for increasing gratitude to God for my own tiny little heart, that I would not forget His mercy, that I would not forget that He sought me while I was not seeking Him. How, not lose how great a gift of God's grace has been given to me, that He would rescue me when I was not just lost, but dead. See, the Spirit of God was working in my heart, turning my heart of stone into a heart of flesh, so that when the gospel landed on my ears, I received it with joy and with gratitude to God for His mercy, rather than rejecting it. And these are the means that God uses The Spirit awakens hearts. The gospel is proclaimed and wham! God does a miracle in that moment to recreate from death to life, from sinner to saint. So we respond in awe because of God's undeserved grace and mercy to us. And we we share, we proclaim this jaw-dropping reality to others. You mean to tell me that that God meets me in all my junk, like all my junk, and loves me? He actually loves me? And in his love for me, he, he breathes life into this lifeless heart that I might love him back? That, that I might be rescued? That I don't have to stay here in this mess of my sin? That he would take an interest in healing me? in giving me hope in the midst of my hopelessness, in changing me? Yes. Share that. (laughs) See, 1 Peter 1, 23 says, you've been born again of imperishable seed through the living and abiding Word of God. And in verse 25, Peter says, this Word was preached to you. Somebody shared the gospel with you. Someone preached the gospel to me. So pray and proclaim it and watch the Spirit bring the dead to life. Has the Spirit of God invaded your soul to make you new? Is Jesus beautiful to you? Is His gospel good news for your heart because you realize how desperately you need His rescue and His grace? New life and new birth isn't about affirming the right set of doctrines, but a true heart transformation brought about by the Spirit of God. Have you been born from above? If not, step one, repent and believe. If yes, if you have experienced the work of the Spirit to make your heart alive, then our first and continual response is awe, it's worship, it's gratitude, it's praise. And our second is proclamation of the gospel so that it might fall on the ears of those whose hearts are ready to receive it. See, Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it will. We don't control the wind. We don't manipulate the wind. We pray and we wait and we pray some more and we see the wind moving. We see the Spirit at work and we proclaim, trusting that God in His mercy will awaken to new life through the gospel those who He has made a life made alive to a new and living hope. Let me say that again because I butchered it. We pray and wait and pray some more and then proclaim that God in His mercy will awaken to new life 
those he has made alive. That's our response to this reality. May we know with humble gratitude that we have been born from above and may we proclaim with courageous conviction that Jesus has come to save sinners, bringing dead hearts alive and welcoming us into the kingdom. Born of the Spirit, welcomed as sons and daughters and raised to new life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that in your mercy, at the right time, you would come to rescue those who were not seeking you, who were willfully choosing destruction, and that in your mercy you would reach to us and breathe life into dead hearts. Father, for any of us in the room who even now have felt in the past near to the kingdom, but are finding themselves calloused and hard and not seeing the glory of God as in Christ Jesus as great, as beautiful, not seeing their need for a Savior, I pray and ask according to your mercy that you would make dead hearts alive, that you would remove the hearts of stone that might be and replace them with hearts of flesh that are receptive to you. And Father, for those of us who have been made alive in Christ Jesus, would you stir in our hearts a fresh gratitude for your mercy? That you would rescue us and that that would fuel awe and praise and gratitude and worship and will give us a humble confidence to declare and to share and to proclaim the, the goodness of Jesus to save sinners, to welcome those who are far from God into his family, into the kingdom. Spirit of God, continue to work among us, producing only what you can produce, transformation and change. In Christ's name we pray, amen.